0: Hi, everybody. My name is Hafa Lombardino, and this is Translation Confessional. Before we continue, let me tell you a bit about Squarespace. I've been using it for both my corporate and my professional websites, and it's made a world of difference for my business. First of all, it saves me a lot of time, Because their web designing platform is so easy to use. I don't have to figure things out. I just add different elements to a page, check if it looks pretty, and publish it. I can move things around quickly and adjust my homepage as needed. So I can let you know about my upcoming classes, webinars, and speaking events. I've added different sections to the menu too, as my content has started to grow. And everything is organized perfectly. Perfectly. Besides, Squarespace allows me to see what each page will look like in different formats, whether people are visiting my website on a computer, tablet, or smartphone. That way, I can make sure nothing looks clunky and everyone can get the information they need in a visually pleasant way. I can also check out some behind-the-scenes information to confirm that my outreach efforts are working. I can see where the traffic to my website is coming from what keywords visitors used on Google searches to get to my content, and where in the world my audience is located, which is perfect when I want to explore some opportunities with translation clients in different markets. If you don't have a professional website yet, or if your current setup has let you down, I know for a fact that Squarespace is exactly what you need to recreate your business image and your brand so clients can find you. To give Squarespace a try and get 10% off your hosting plan, go to this webpage, bit.ly t3 Squarespace. That way, they'll know that you've heard about them here at Translation Confessional. Once again, the webpage is bit.ly t3 dash S-P-A-C-E. Hope you like it. The Language of Affection Today's episode is coming out on International Translation Day, and I've been saving the subject for this special occasion. Today's theme is the language of affection. I've always been very curious about bilingual or multilingual households and how people live and exist in different languages. I've always talked about how I only feel comfortable being a mom in Portuguese, and it feels weird speaking English to my kids, no matter how fluent I am. I actually got to interview my kids in Season 1, Episode 49, And we joked around mentioning some words in Portuguese they use at home, something that got my daughter very confused when she was little, and how my son even tried to troll me using Google Translate. In Season 1, Episode 50, I talked to my husband about what it's like being an English speaker and picking up some Portuguese during these two decades since his first trip to Brazil, and now that we have kids. I always hope I'm not intruding whenever I ask people what it's like talking to loved ones in a language other than their native language. I wonder if there have been misunderstandings or funny moments, because, again, no matter how fluent you are in a language, there's always the cultural and emotional component that goes with it when you're interacting with people in different languages. I remember when we first got married, and I got a little ticked off at something my husband used to say. Well, he still says it, and our son says it too, but I've changed my attitude towards it, and I hear it differently now. This is the expression they use Is it possible for you to do X? When I first heard it from my husband 20 years ago, I didn't like the way it sounded. I already spoke English fluently back then. So it wasn't a matter of language barrier. It was more like a cultural issue. When we say, será possível, in Portuguese, this expression is way more emotionally charged. You usually say it when you're frustrated with someone who isn't doing something they're supposed to be doing. But in English, it's actually a polite way to make a request or check if someone can help you with something. So in this scenario... Possible in English is just about possibilities, while possível in Brazil in this context comes across completely different. When Brazilians use this expression, you would be a bit closer to, how come you haven't done it, instead of could you do it? As newlyweds, I thought my husband was giving me a hint that I was slacking off on household chores or something, but No, he was just asking me to do him a favor and get something done while I was at home and he was at his office job back then. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Another funny expression he uses a lot, and now I always catch myself saying it, is Can you come here pretty fast? I remember the first time he said it, and I actually rushed to check what was going on. In my head, pretty fast would be used to emphasize the fact that something needed to be done quickly. However, after I realized that there were no emergencies the first few times he used this expression, I stopped running to see what was so important that he couldn't wait a bit longer. Since then, I connected pretty fast in my head to dar um pulinho in Portuguese. In Brazil, when we say dar um pulinho, it literally means to do a little hop. But we never used to ask someone to literally hop on over we always mean that we want someone to come over whether they're just in the other room or all the way across town so in my mind come here pretty fast became dumpolinho aqui and no one needs to rush anywhere anymore now something funny happened the other day once again we've been together for a long time there is no language barrier between us but there's still a word here and there that can get in the way. A few days ago, my husband said, I'm going to run and get a haircut, so is it possible for you to order sandwiches for lunch and I'll pick them up on my way home? I said, sure, and asked what time he thought he'd be able to pick up the order. He told me to schedule it for 30 minutes or so, and I thought the math didn't quite add up. I know I'm not good at math, but if he's going to go running and then stop by the barber shop for a haircut, he's either going for a pretty short run, or the barber would be working pretty fast. I set my alarm for 40 minutes instead and waited to put the order in by then. About 30 minutes after he left home, he called me and asked, which place did you order from? I'm here and they haven't got our order ready. I said I still had a couple of minutes until my alarm went off for me to put in the order. So I asked, How far did you run? And he said, what do you mean? To which I said, you told me you were going for a run and then you were going to get a haircut. (sighs) Guess what? He didn't go running at all. Even though he's a runner, this one time he was just using the verb run figuratively, not literally. So when he said, I'm going to run and get a haircut, he just meant to say, I'm leaving right now to get a haircut. Well, then it finally made sense why he'd be able to get a haircut and pick up lunch in only half an hour. After the break, I'll be sharing some interesting interactions, funny mishaps, and overall cute anecdotes some translation friends shared with me. I'm sure you've heard that Audible is the leading library for audiobooks, right? But have you given it a try yet? There are literally hundreds of thousands of titles you can choose from, and you'll be saving tons of money if you sign up for a premium account. For $14.99 a month, you get one credit to download any book you want, whose price tag is usually around 20 bucks or so, Right there. You'd be saving money and keeping up with your book addiction at the same time. They have books in different languages too. And some classics are for free, so you don't have to apply your monthly credit to it. You just download the audiobook and enjoy it. And that goes without saying that they have some exclusive content read by incredible actors. So if you close your eyes, it really feels like you're at a theater listening to a play on stage. On top of that, you can also check out the latest trending podcasts. And yes, you can listen to Translation Confessional on Audible too. If you're not yet sure whether Audible is right for you, I dare you to give it a try. Get a 30 day trial and enjoy your first book for free. But I Bat you get hooked on it and add audiobooks to your routine. Make sure you use the link in this episode's description so they'll know Translation Confessional sent you their way. Then come back to me and let me know what books you're listening to. I hope you enjoy it. First off, I want to share a clip from my interview with Italian translator Sonia De Martino, who lives in Spain. I interviewed Sonia earlier this year on Season 2, Episode 2, Languages and Personalities. During our conversation, she also talked about how her native Italian and her Spanish play a role in her daily life.
2: When I go back to Italy, I feel that I'm more comfortable speaking in Spanish than Italian. Like, I have been living here in Spain since 2016, since I graduated. And the thing is that now I'm so used to speak in Spanish, my boyfriend is Spanish, that now my Italian is still there, of course. I use it every day. I try to to watch TV series in Italian, but I feel more comfortable speaking in, in Spanish. I didn't have any problem with it because, well, of course, at first, the first years, I didn't have a very good level of Spanish. But right now I think... I have like C1, C2 of Spanish so I can communicate well my emotions, feelings and everything. And then we reached a point, like we have been together two years now, me and my boyfriend, and I've started to teach him a bit of Italian. We are trying, (laughs) but it's, it's not that easy for him. So we mainly speak in Spanish, but yeah, no, we didn't have any miscommunication or problem the thing is, maybe it's about culture. I mean, Italian and Spanish cultures are quite similar. I always say that we are cousins. <laughs> but sometimes uh, in matters of family or, I don't know, other things that happens every day, maybe we have some miscommunicating about it. But in general, I, I don't have any problem about it. Instead, I do prefer having uh, a boyfriend who is from Spain instead of Italian. I I don't know why. I don't know. I've never had boyfriends from Italy, for example, only Spanish. We have a dog, though, and we only speak Italian to her. (laughs) I I was like, okay, the dog might not be bilingual, because if I have children in the future, I do want them to be bilingual, because I think it's the most beautiful gift you can give to your children, (laughs) but the dog can't. So I was like, okay, the dog is Italian. We speak Italian to her. (laughs)
0: Now, I got some interesting voice clips and text messages from a former translator turned realtor. She's from Brazil, her husband is from Venezuela, and there are a lot of funny moments between her Portuguese and his Spanish.
2: Oi, Rafa, boa tarde, tudo
3: bem? My name is Paula de Paula. Fui tradutora numa vida passada, faz.
0: Anna told me that when she and her husband were first dating, their language in common was English, since she didn't speak Spanish and he didn't speak Portuguese. One day, they were cuddling and she affectionately said in Portuguese. Me pega com carinho.
2: Carinho means
0: affectionately, so we use it in a host of displays of affection. Now, the verb pegar is just pretty general and it literally means pick up. So, pretty much, she was just asking for a loving embrace.
1: Você imagina a cara que ele me olhou quando a gente tava namorando e eu falei para ele que era para ele me pegar com carinho. Sendo que
2: pegar pro hispano é bater, né?
0: However, the verb pegar in Spanish means to hit or strike someone. You can imagine how badly this could have turned out, right? Good thing he looked confused and she had a chance to explain it, so he wouldn't think she was asking him to slap her affectionately or something like that. No, she wasn't about to play Britney Spears and say, hit me baby one more time. Ana also had a misunderstanding with her mother-in-law, a Spanish speaker. When they had their son, grandma came to visit and said something like, Ana was really upset, and later on asked her husband, "How come he didn't say anything when his mother called their baby a creature?"
1: Ele fala que
2: criatura para ele simplesmente é uma criança pequena, né? um bebê.
0: He had to explain to her that criatura wasn't something bad in Spanish. It's actually an affectionate way to refer to kids, something similar to little ones in English. Vanessa Duarte is another translator from Brazil who is a friend
2: of the show and contributed with an anecdote of her own. Hi. So, I don't have anything affection-wise to talk about, but I do have some funny stories. When I first arrived in the United States, my English wasn't that great and I was living with an American family, my host mother would say to their kids every night, girls, you have to go potty. And in my mind, I couldn't understand that word, potty. For me, it was party. So I thought maybe they play party before going to bed or something like that. And after maybe two weeks, I asked, what is potty? What do you talk about with your kids? So my host mother went to the bathroom and showed me the potty. And it was very funny.
0: (laughs) Now, here's some audio from Oscar Curros, a translation friend from Spain whose daughter is Brazilian. He shares a candid account about growing up speaking Galician to his parents, then having a daughter in Brazil where he was surrounded by Portuguese, but decided to speak Spanish to her. And now that she's a teenager, their way to communicate has shifted a little.
3: Hi, Rafa. What a great idea for your podcast. I have a 13-year-old girl who used to talk to me in Brazilian Portuguese. And I have always talked to her in Spanish. I got used to talk to her in Spanish by addressing the mother's belly in Spanish. And then I got used to that. I was living in Brazil at the time. So it was not so easy everyone was talking in portuguese around you can imagine the situation right and i don't have such um feeling in spanish my parents raised me in galician language so what do i do raising my girl in spanish okay trying to make her a polyglot because galician is close to portuguese so she could be almost learning the same language If I uh, spoke to her in Galician, as my parents did to me, she was being raised in Brazil. Brazil is in the midst of a lot of Spanish-speaking countries. So, okay, Spanish was a fact. And what happened is, as time went by, I developed an effective communication with her, which was not there at the beginning, because Spanish is not such a father-to-son or mother-to-son language for me. But it was because as I had close contact with her, as I sang to her, for you to have an idea of how this communication works. The first word my daughter said to me was not a word in English. It was not dad or daddy or something like that. It was not its equivalent in Portuguese, like pai, papai, or in Spanish, papá, papi. I was changing her diapers as I told her, te estoy cambiando pañal, I'm changing your diapers. She heard the last word, and she said pañal, which is the Spanish word for diapers, and that was (laughs) her first word to me. And I find it so caring, the whole situation, because I was taking care of her. It's something so natural. So it was my way of being her daddy at the moment. The funny thing is that she always spoke to me in Portuguese when she spoke, and that could be the story, but the fact is that my... My daughter is not speaking to me anymore. So she's like a stranger to me now. And I thought that the whole teenager thing was like a fairy tale or a myth. They say that teenagers don't speak. Okay, then I feel like that character in The English Patient, the girl telling the guy, you speak so many languages and you don't use any of them to talk to me. To be frank, I don't know what language she's supposed to communicate with me. I think she speaks silence. And silence is very difficult for me to interpret because our daily lives are so busy, are so noisy, that when someone gets silent for so long, we don't know what to do. Maybe the person is thinking. Maybe the person is sad. Maybe the person needs some time for herself, in this case. Who knows? It's so hard to interpret silence. How do you do that?
0: Now, Mariana is another translator friend who shared some funny and adorable anecdotes about what the communication is like between her, a Brazilian, and her wife, Alex, who is American. They live in the United States, and Alex is learning Portuguese. What's getting in their way in this case is the fact that Brazilian nouns are gendered, So, some objects are male while others are female. Mixing up gender nouns has resulted in some pretty funny moments in their daily lives. For example, we Brazilians love eating quail eggs. When Alex referred to them in Portuguese, she called them ovos de codorno, which refers to the male quail. So, Mariana let her know that codorna is the one that actually lays the eggs. So, it's Ovos de codorna. In other instances, the unpredictable termination of some Brazilian words led to hilarious moments too. As when Alex said she didn't want to watch TV and would rather do crosswords instead, which she called cruzadeiro. She actually meant to say cruzadinha, so she got the first half of the word right. Some other time, Mariana asked Alex if she needed some coffee to power through the morning. Mariana asked, Amor precisa de abastecimento, meaning, honey, do you need me to fuel you up? Now, the conjugation of the verb abastecer, as in fuel, is what got in the way. Alex tried. Me Basta! Me abaste. Me abasto. They both laughed for a while until Mariana was able to teach her me abasteça as the right option to say, yes, fuel me up. Now, the funniest story they shared was when they had people over and Alex was in the shower. Mariana had to pick something up in the bathroom and Alex asked her to close the door because she wasn't decent, that is, dressed. Instead of saying, fecha a porta, eu estou pelada, that is, close the door, I'm naked in here. She actually said, fecha a porta, eu estou peluda, which means, I'm hairy in here. <laughs> and that was not her intention at all. Now, I'll leave you with a message from my dear friend, Liz Heron Sweet, who is a translator from San Diego who is fully bilingual in English and Portuguese, lived in Brazil for many years, and is married to a Brazilian. They have a little one, Vinny, whom we got to meet. She shared a little bit about what has been like living between Brazil and the United States and what their feelings are about raising him bilingual.
1: I started studying Portuguese in college and spent a year abroad in Brazil, which I really loved. And then I managed to uh, move back for work after college. And as soon as I moved there, I met my now husband, Luciano. He had already lived in the U.S. prior to moving back to Brazil. He is from Sao Paulo, but he had lived abroad, so he spoke very good English. But of course, since we met in Brazil, um, the language we spoke together from the very beginning was always Portuguese. That was 10 years ago. Lived in Sao Paulo for 10 years, always speaking Portuguese. Of course, whenever we would travel and be with my family, he was totally fine speaking English. And then we had our son, Vinny, two years ago uh, in Sao Paulo and he, um, since we were planning to to live in Brazil for the indefinite future, we decided we should speak English exclusively at home, figuring that he would then learn Portuguese with family and with friends and at school and everything like that. So Lou and I did not start speaking English to each other. We still spoke Portuguese to each other, even in front of Vinny. But to Vinny, we would speak English. So we got used to speaking to him in English but Vinny was still hearing a lot of Portuguese. So, let's see his his first words were probably mommy and daddy. But then one of the first sentences he said, well, he considered it a word was "eae," which is a kind of Portuguese slang for "what's up." He started saying that because the first lockdown March 2020 started when Vinny was about 8 months old, so right when he was starting to Talk a little bit, and that's how my husband would start his work calls, which we could hear. He would always start by saying "yay," so that's what Vinny started saying, which was pretty funny. And then among his his first words, there were some words that he would affect a kind of Portuguese, Brazilian Portuguese, like adding an e to the end because Brazilians tend to do this um, with English words. Because, so for instance, Facebooky or YouTubey. That's how Bra- Brazilians pronounce those words, because Portuguese words tend not to end in consonants, so they kind of add the E on to the end to make it sound more natural. So Vinny would say bally instead of ball, and moony instead of moon, but he kept, his vocabulary was primarily English. And then we unexpectedly now have just moved to the U.S. for work reasons, so... Now we're kind of having to rethink our whole strategy um, because we're living in New York City now, and I do think we'll be able to be around Brazilian friends and hopefully kids so that Vinny can still hear and practice Portuguese, but it's not going to be as constant as we had assumed it would be before. So now we're thinking we might have to change our at-home language fully to Portuguese so that we can be sure Vinny grows up bilingual with both of them. But, of course, it's hard to make that switch. He's two now, two in a couple months. Me and my husband are both so used to speaking English with him. Even my husband, who's a native Brazilian, and his English is very good, not but not perfect. He is much more comfortable speaking English with Vinny and thinks Vinny's English is so cute. And he's so impressed with how good he is. So, for now we're we're taking it slow. We have a Brazilian babysitter who speaks Portuguese with him. We have brought a bunch of books in Portuguese with us. So, we'll see how it works out, but we're we're definitely have in mind that we want him to be very comfortable with both languages and it's it is hard to figure out how to make that happen, especially when you have to do something that may not feel completely natural to you.